Hey, welcome back to another edition of Dogging It. I think you know who I am. Uh, you know what the show is. You know what the page is. It's going to be a fun uh, morning full of topics and conversations. I don't know who I'm more excited to have on. Um, you guys know based off the title that we got Carl Boyce coming on uh, here in just a minute. But the guy that I'm real excited to talk to and, and bring in is this guy. This guy right here, here. Joey Ryan. Oh, Joey, how are you, buddy? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. I, I was dying ever since you had that interview with Ishan, uh, probably, what, four or five days ago now? I've been trying to pin you down, man. Like, we got to talk about this stuff. And, you know, you're like, well, tomorrow morning we got Carl coming on. I'm like, thanks for telling me, you know? So, I don't yeah. know. Well, I've been logged on for 45 trying. minutes. The time changed. You don't even tell nobody. It's I'm sleeping in a dungeon here in, uh, at this hotel, and it's pretty cold and comfortable. And so, uh, yeah, when I woke up, he said, let's change to 9.30. I said, let's do it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to work out well. But, you know, the Ishan thing, I came over here to the Texas Open. I didn't expect all this shit to blow up the way that it did. I mean, it did, and it's it's already happened. But it wasn't my intent as I was planning a trip uh, coming up to Round Rock. So, nevertheless, we're here. Situation is what it is. Let's bring on Carl, uh, the player rep, matchroom pool commentator, former Moscone Cup vice captain. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Where's uh, where's the other troublesome one, Palazzo? Man, you know, I text them. I think I've been causing too much trouble. Now Mike's leaving me on red. <laughs> I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he responded to my last message. So, Scared to come on, easy. Mike's well, a real journalist. You know, Mike's got to stay impartial. He's a real journalist. <sighs> we just fly by the seat of our pants over here. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. That's for sure. You know, today, Carl, it's it's a great day for you to be joining us here in the United States. It's Labor Day, you know, and I was thinking you're like one of the hardest working men in pool. I watch you all day long, commentate matches, and then I walk by the bar at like six o'clock at night and you're there talking to people, talking to people. And then I come back from dinner. It's like 10, 11 o'clock. You're still at the bar talking to people, you know, like. Joey, you know, Emily's watching this. <laughs> she knows you. She knows you by now. Somebody, somebody who looks like me. It's definitely not me, that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're such a familiar face, Carl. Um, you know, and, and everybody loves uh, your commentary. Everybody loves the work that you're putting in. And, you know, this whole thing kind of blew up this week. And I'm just curious to get your initial thoughts on it. I mean, uh, I don't think Molina was expecting – uh, some of the things that came out in that podcast with WPA, obviously you're with Matchroom. Just what are your general thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, obviously they've, they've they've come on the podcast. I've watched it, um, watched it live as well. Obviously, WPA kind of sit in the background, really, don't they? Over the years, it's always been hard to like sort of contact someone or speak to somebody from WPA to find out, you know, any any answers to any questions you may have. So obviously, the fact that they've come on and obviously the two mics have grilled them and obviously caused this outrage. I think it's about time. I think this is what we need because obviously, you know, pool's such a, you know, a big game played all over the world. I know there's different disciplines and size tables, but pool in general, and I've always felt it should be bigger than what it is. So I think now's the perfect time, you know, obviously with the world nine ball tour and obviously the WPA uh, sanctioning a few more of the events that we used to have. So I think now's the right time. Let's talk like pre-World Nine Ball Tour, Carl. You know, when you were going and playing World Championships in the days of Qatar, you know, what were those? And and you just you in general as a as a competing player, what was the players' take on on the WPA even even back then? Listen, I, I don't know a single player that's got a good word to say about the WPA. Do I, I played. I played. You know, this is nothing to do with match room. At the end of the day, I know obviously I I work for the tour. But previous to that, I quit. I think I quit around 2017, 2016, 17. So, I, you know, I played under WPA uh, sanctioned events. I played on the Euro Tour. Every player that you spoke to, we, we, there was just nothing else to play in, basically. So you, you were sort of forced. Now, World Nine Ball Championships went to Qatar. Funnily enough, I actually played the first ever uh, matchroom event I ever played in was in 2007 in Manila, the one that Daryl Peach won. Um, so I went and played in that, did okay in the event and thought, oh, this is great. This, it was like $20,000 for semifinals, peach $100,000. It was live on TV. The crowds were there. I thought this is the future because I come from English eight ball with, with no crowds. 
So I thought, this is a bit of me, this. This is limelight, you're on TV, you feel like a movie star. So I thought, this is me. And then that was it. Match room yeah. didn't have yeah. the World uh, Nine Ball Championships again. And then we went to Qatar for 10 years where, you know, it was a shambles. You couldn't really watch the event. Even my friends back home didn't know if you was winning, losing. The winner of the event, you know, you was getting no media stuff. Um, the, the venue up the road from the hotel, uh, it was the Qatar Federation Academy. They were charging us to practice. You had to book a table. They were charging us. It's like we're here for a world championships and, and you're charging us to practice. Um, I think one year, maybe two years, they actually had the event in the Federation. The year Bustamante won, he won it in the Federation. If you look on the footage, that's the Qatar Federation. So it was just always felt very shambolic. And listen, I know WPA don't run the tournament. I get that. They're the governing body. But they're supposed to oversee everything. And, and they keep saying that they look after the professionals and it's their job. But the professional side of pool has been nothing but a shambles. Yeah, they they deem themselves as the authority in pool, and and you know I've been watching pool for almost twenty years now. You know, and yeah. I would wake up and and follow the Qatar World Championships. One of my favorites was watching you and Qatar play Efren. I remember uh, okay. in, in in the World Championship uh, nine ball. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to that interview and and the WPA, you know, to be fair and for full disclosure, you know, they had weeks to prepare. You know, they knew exactly what was coming, and and I don't think we did a whole lot to kind of like trap them or bait them into anything. You know, I didn't expect it to go the way that it did, and we had no heads up that Ishan was going to drop that bomb as far as spending players. He never gave us any kind of you know uh, uh, inkling at all. So when all this stuff kind of went down, it just was what it was, and we had to run with it. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, their rules are if you play in unsanctioned events, obviously there's right. going to be consequences <clears throat> for players. So obviously. You know, other than the World Nine Ball Championships, our events are not sanctioned. You know, right. we're not sanctioned to the WPA. Uh, obviously, they've got some meet in October, right? So we'll see what they're going to do. But by their rights, they've got to ban players. But I, I don't see how they can be banning like the likes of Joshua Filler, Sanchez, you know, all these guys at the top of the game when, you know, what events have we ever had to play in sanctioned events? China Open starting this week, right? In Shanghai? Right, right. I played in that event four or five times. It was it's played in a sports hall, no table lighting, very humid there. So you're pretty much playing in the dark. It was always very difficult to play there. They're not the promoter. I understand it. Also, the promoter of the China Open, if they've not got rules to follow, they're just going to do what they want to do, right? So there's no sort of like standard to be set for anyone. It just seems to me like WPA over the years are just happy to get the events on, take the take the percent and just you know, make out as if like the governing body of pool and they've got our best interests at heart. But the professional side of it, they've never had our interest at heart. That's period. Juniors, ladies, wheelchair players. Yeah, it's there. Hence probably why there's all this amateur thing getting thrown around now, because that's the way we feel. <laughs> which is which is a dig, but I like it though. I, I, yeah, I, like I mean, it. listen, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's factual. You know, I'm talking from a player's perspective. You know, when you look at, like, the events, the big events, what um, was under the WPA banner before Matchroom decided to go, you know, full force and invest in the sport, like the World 8-Ball, which I won. Uh, I think it started in 2004. It's been on eight times since 2004. But if you spoke to the WPA, they will just say, well, we're not, we're not the promoter. So... Uh, it's just, it's very easy to just say, oh, we're the governing body of pool and we're looking after the best interests for the sport, but I don't believe you are. Well, you bring up the likes of, of Filler and, and Ruiz, but there's another player in that game as well that are going to have a pretty big say because, you know, Predator's going to not be too thrilled if their key marquee players get banned from playing in the World 8-Ball and the World 10-Ball Championship. So these are going to have ripple-down effects that we haven't even begun to see I'd imagine that's part of the reason why we saw some backtracking after Aishan came on and pretty much said it was, you know, for all for all sakes and purposes, a, a done deal. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens in October. I don't think he said it was a done deal, Mike, in fairness. He said that they're going to take it to their General Assembly and vote on it. But it seems to be leaning that way, right? I mean, he's, he pretty much said that based off of everyone that he spoke to, that they were all in agreement that this was the route they wanted to take. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it wasn't – they – in the press release, they're they're now saying it's not a done deal, but he said it multiple times on the interview. Well, let, I, I, let, 
I think what they're thinking is obviously they've got all the federations with them, but how many of the federations are actually paying money to some players anyway? Well, don't they pay, pay for travel? Like, aren't there players getting their travel paid for through the federations for a lot of events? Yeah, but which events? There's no events. WPA sanctioned <laughs> events. They have to be WPA sanctioned events. But, yeah. but there's no tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. And and then it's just based off of performance things. At least some of the players that I've talked to, and I've talked, I'm not going to mention federations, but over the last few days, I've talked to a lot of different European players from from the big federations down to smaller ones as well. So. Yep. So yeah. I think it was Moscone Cup when Barry made the announcement about distancing yourself from the WPA or, or WPA, and then uh, there, Ishan brought up the issue of the contract, the matchroom contract. But Carl, I give you a hard time online sometimes with some of the stuff that you post. You know, I, I kind of look at you as brash sometimes. You're brash as a player sometimes, and I think yeah. sometimes even now in in your support of matchroom and their initiatives. And so you've been putting up a hashtag for probably, I don't know, the last few months, uh, hashtag the takeover, the takeover. And I I even came back and I'm like, what are you taking over? You know, and I kind of just wanted to see what you'd say about it. And you're like the game. And I always (laughs) thought that might've been kind of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, showing your dominance over maybe some of the other promoters out there. But do you think maybe the WPA, uh, may have interpreted that as you trying to take over the game from, you know, and infringe on what they're doing as opposed to other promoters. Um, I, well, not really, because they're not a promoter, are they? They're the governing body. I don't, I don't see anyone else who's putting the money where the mouth is like Matchroom. I've played under Matchroom events before Emily was even about. I was a player before she even worked like in the limelight matchroom, right? When you play a matchroom event, they look at you like, obviously, you're the star, you're the professional pool player. They never talk down to you. They can't do enough for you. Any player, even now, let alone back in the day, if you've got a question, someone within the team will answer. You'll get spoken to with respect. Everything's always been sound. You always get paid. You know what I mean? You're never waiting for money. Jason Shaw won the Kuwait Open. The only Kuwait Open to ever exist under the WPA. He won, I think it was forty or $60,000. It took him over a year to get paid. Now, I'm not saying that's WPA's fault, by the way, because they're not the promoter, but they've got the best interests that are, right? I think WPA's stance, though, is that you're going outside of, Matchroom is going outside of being a promoter, and they're supposed to be the authority on pool, and it's like Matchroom is now trying to be the authority. Yeah, but why are they the authority? Because of what? That, that's exactly what Ishan <laughs> would say. I, I asked the question. Exactly what Ishan would, would go and say is is not a whole lot. I mean, they'll they'll give you the federation stance, they'll give you the IOC position, and that they grant them the the authority. But the fact of the matter is, they don't do anything. They don't. Listen, and I and 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 I, and I think that uh, to be fair, on the junior side of things, they do a lot when it helps to cultivating. Listen. Young not, players, yeah. I, that, that I, I, much I'll give them credit for. I'm not disputing the ladies game, the juniors, the wheelchair and all that. I get it, right? But this is why, obviously, we, we're saying they're the amateur side, aren't they? Because the whole point is, if if we're looking at pool, you know, you used to play pool, you follow pool just like we all do. It doesn't matter what level we're all at. Everyone's playing it. You know, nine ball pool's a unique game where you could literally name like a real quality player from literally all sides of the frigging world. It's, it's, it's actually unbelievable. You know, when you look at sports like golf and tennis, they probably don't even have what we've got, you know, the potential. So obviously nine balls a fast, exciting game to watch. It's not boring. Obviously we've got to feed off the Moscone Cup. I played, my first Moscone Cup was in 2010, 350 people at your call. Now there's 3,000. So I think obviously the modern day, obviously Matchroom have thought, well, there's a lot more to this sport than maybe we once realized back in the day it's growing and obviously when you look at the players worldwide that play there's quality players from all over the world it's very unique now also i know like this thing with a contract thing but obviously the thing is wpa i shown was making out as if matchroom don't want to sanction the events that's what it looked like to me he was saying we don't want to sanction 
but that's technically not true because they had a verbal agreement to say everything was going to be sanctioned and done. And then at the last minute, they pulled the plug because they didn't want to um, agree on our ranking, on the World Nine Ball Tour ranking. So this is this is where we're at with it. So obviously, Emily and the team have been pushed into a position. But if you look at what they've actually achieved in this short space of time, you know, 2019, they got the rights to the US Open, the one that Phil beat winning. Then obviously we had COVID. We played a Moscone Cup during COVID with no crowd. WPA, the promoters, the events they were sanctioning, which is only China Open, World 8 Ball, World 10 Ball, they just stopped. No. The, but yeah. the bottom line is, there's without Matchroom, there's, there's never going to be a professional tour, anything. Because WPA have been involved forever. And again, they're the governing body. So they're not the promoters. They just hope people promote tournaments, give them the sanctioning. And what if the promoters are no good at running the tournaments? Where do we go? This is all we've seen for the last 25 years. There's no accountability, no transparency when it comes to the WPA. And this is part of like what's pissed me off and, and starting to deal with them, you know, over the last few months is that they want to flex like they uh, like the sport owes them something or the players owe them something. But like Carl said earlier, find me a player who has something really good to say about them because I'll wait. You know, my inbox has been filling up from players all over the world, domestic and abroad. And for all you guys who think that this won't have a ripple down effect on American players, I wouldn't I wouldn't you know, hit that gas pedal so quick because if the WPA does decide to uh, vote like I found claim that they will, then the BCA uh, will have to follow suit. And that means suspending American players as well because they're under that umbrella. They will be forced to. So um, the, these are players have rights. And a lot of you guys, Carl way back when, a lot of these European players, American players, nobody wanted to say a fucking word about it because everyone was too scared of the repercussions yeah, year exactly. after year. They we, just took we, it. When I played, we was forced to play Euro Tour because obviously Matchroom only had three events, World Pool Masters, World Cup, and Pool Moscone Cup. So obviously in 2010, it was the number one on the Euro Tour, got in the Moscone Cup team, and then there was four wild cards. We've, we've always felt like we've had to be forced to play the Euro Tour. It cost you 1,000 to go. It was 4,500 to the winner. So like now I see a few comments from a few <laughs> from I see a few comments now from a few uh, ex employees let's just say where they're talking about the tour it's not easy to make money only a few players are making money mate the tour's not even started let's not get silly no. you know everyone right. who works everyone who works for World Nine Ball Tour has been thrown into this right after COVID we've had COVID as well and look at what's actually happened. Since 2022, January, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz has won nearly $300,000 on the World Nine Ball Tour. Yeah. And it ain't and this, even started. This is only after a few years of match from getting aggressive when it comes to pool. The, yeah, the WPA I, I, has had decades to kind of keep control or try to grow the game. And yeah, we, haven't, and, we haven't had... Yeah. And obviously, the cards were on the table. There was a verbal agreement. It looked like Matchroom was going to sanction with the WPA. Then it all got pulled from under the plug. So then it's all been switched where Matchroom's hand has been forced to do, hasn't Because it looked like, obviously, WPA were going to be with us and, and all this. But obviously, it's not happened, has it? So when Ashawn says, oh, all Matchroom's got to do is sanction events, it sounded to me like they were saying, oh, Matchroom, Barry Earn and Emily have just gone, we're not sanctioning events, see you later. But that's that's a lie. At last year's European Open, Barry Earn flew in, Ishawn flew in. It was all there having meetings. From what from, from what I've been told, the Matchroom guaranteed a percentage increase every year in their events or that contract would be void, which would mean that their 2.5% was guaranteed to grow. Their bottom line was guaranteed to grow every single year as a part of those terms. Yeah, but the thing is, obviously, it's obviously okay. to do with the rankings, but what have WPA really got anyway regarding promoters? Yeah. You're being real quiet over there, Joe. Yeah, real well, I have a question I want to ask Carl that I've been thinking of, and it's, you know, I, we saw Emily, Emily's statement about, you know, players are welcome to play wherever they, they want to play, and it, it WPA is leaning on that contract language that's pretty clear that Matchroom has full authority over players playing in other nine ball events. Is that something that Matchroom's reconsidering in their contract language, or why why does that even exist in there if Emily's going to say that no players can play wherever? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's in the contract. I mean, obviously, when I played in events, pool players, we're not reading contracts. Let's not be stupid. You know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're like, we're, we're all people from bars and frigging clubs, right? Drinking and playing pool. So no one's reading contracts, right? It's never been exercised. I couldn't even tell you how long that's been in the contract. I couldn't even tell you. But the bottom line is, China Open's about to start. I've never heard anyone from Matchroom say, oh, Phil is going to be banned. He's not playing in Moscone Cup. I mean, let's be honest. What would Joshua Filler do if Emily all of a sudden sent out a letter saying you're banned from Matchroom events? Nothing's ever been said. Yeah. Would, he, would he go and play China Open and risk his 40000 and I'd, I'd imagine they, pro they probably did their due diligence before they booked the flight. And it's not just Josh. I saw a yeah, photo I mean, on, the, on the Instagram of David and Francisco going out there as well and playing the China Open. I doubt there'll be repercussions. But on that note that all these WPA apologists keep on posting all over Facebook, um, you know, if, if that's language that's been in there for some time, that's fine. But at the same time, uh, you know, they've they're not only not exercising it, but Aishan said at the end of it, even if it wasn't for this contract uh, information that we've now uh, found out about, they were still going to go down that road regardless. He said as much at the end of our interview. So, yeah. yeah the, the, other, the other thing is, obviously, Emily will know when this was put in the contract. I couldn't tell you, right? But if, if there's a verbal agreement for Matchroom and WPA to sanction the World Nine Ball Tour, and then all of a sudden they pull the plug from it. Obviously, Matchroom are in a tricky position, aren't they? Because they thought they had the backing of the WPA, the governing body of pool, who apparently are going to look after the pros and the pool players around the world. Yeah. So, if Matchroom all of a sudden are on their own and they're running the World Nine Ball Tour and they're spending millions of dollars, what, what's so wrong with the freaking question? The clause in the contract. You're not going to go bail play like be a fighter on UFC and then fight for someone else, are you? This is what happens nope. in sports. What's the big deal? I don't see what the big deal is. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just the existence of that clause is what they're leaning on, or at least they were in the interview with Molina, you know, as to why now they're taking action, which I think Molina did a good job of calling them out and saying, okay, they have a clause they're not acting on. And now you're going to act on the fact that they're not acting on this clause. It just kind of seems silly. Well, but, um, the EPBF has that same language in, in their agreement. So they're, it's a bit of a hypocrisy when now they want to use that as a crutch to stand on um, attacking Matchroom. You know, they didn't have shit to say when we were talking with Dave and, and we, and we brought out that information. You know, and, and here's the deal. Like what Carl said, if you're putting your money where your mouth is, then you have a right to say if whether or not you, you want to be able to play here and not play somewhere else. I get that part of it, man. You know, a million percent I get. But when, when the EPBF and, 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 and uh, bodies like that are doing six events a year, paying out, let's say, four to six thousand for first place. And you want to you want to preach to me about growth. You know, I, yeah, I just, Mike, I'm, I'm, let, Mike, let's not forget. Right. Matchroom are consistent. You know, Moscone Cup this year's 30 years. World Cup of Pool, World Pool Masters. These events have been going on and on and on. What I'm saying is the World 8-Ball, we've played eight World 8-Ball events, a tournament which I've won eight years since 2004. World 10-Ball, it's happened eight times. You know, what events really are going on? China Open vanished because of COVID and all this. That's coming back on now. You know, what events? We played Beijing Open two or three times. That vanished. There's no consistency with the events, is there? Well, he made it seem like there was a lot of events on the horizon. He made no, he made mention of like a lot of fifty thousand dollar added events, you know, coming up uh, next year. But then you'd be in the same position that Aishan um, uh, and David were criticizing Matrimon as far as players being able to make a living, you know. And furthermore, those are independent promoters that 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 are doing this. So I just, you know, I these guys will will say that you know I'm I'm just I'm I'm one sided when it comes to this argument. And it's not, but it's one that just makes a whole lot of sense to me. You know, the players have just had enough of their shit over the years and nobody wants to speak up. And even a little bit that they do, everyone kind of backs off as soon as they start, you know, chirping just a little bit. And it's just not fair, man. It's not fair at all for, for any of them. And, and to be fair, if Matchroom were to do the same thing and handcuff players without having any kind of growth or, or a massive calendar full of events, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah, obviously, it, it, you know, obviously it's, it'd be very tricky. Matchroom, you know, they're not going to start banning plays because it's like we're still so, it's still so early days, isn't it? But the fact that 
you know, we're, we're all around the pool world. We all come from different, you know, places regarding pool. You know, we obviously more so me because I live in England and I know what Matchroom do in other sports and what they've done. There's nobody that is going to be able to take nine ball to the next level like them. There's nobody, period. We've seen, I played on the IPT when Kevin Trudeau come along. Two events, guy vanishes off planet Earth chasing our money. Yeah. Yeah. Another, you know what I mean? Another, another fucking crazy promoter out there. But Matchroom are not like that. This, this is, you know, they've got like teams in place for boxing, snooker, darts. Obviously, now uh, we have everyone who works under the World Nine Ball Tour full time. You know, this is this is different. How hard is it to overcome this generation of jaded players that have just been screwed over by one from one promoter after the next car over over the last twenty plus years? I think if it was 10 years ago, it would be tricky because you feel like we've seen it all and heard it all. But I think the likes of, I think, I think even now, you know, obviously we've seen a few players share the letter, like the letter and and say their piece, but they're obviously the ones who are not, you know, they're not scared to sit on the fence. Listen, I get it. If, if you're a player from Poland, Germany, whatever, you know, you've got this federation thing hanging over your head. It's it's a little tricky. I understand that. Not everyone's, you know, going to speak the mind, but, Now's the time. Now's the time for the players to go, listen, ban us, do what you want. At the end of the day, what, what what's a player really going to lose anyway? If if a player turn around and say, I'm just going to play World Nine Ball Tour events and I'm going to play nothing else, what are you really going to lose? Because these other events, they've got no prestige, no history. It's like we're going about this 10 ball. 10 ball is one of the worst things that ever happened in Pittle, by the way. No one even speaks about it. How someone Come on, Carl. Up- Wait a minute. Listen, how someone can put another ball on the table and let's just say, let's play this. It's like idiot. Blasphemy. You, you <laughs> would have said that back when you were playing, Carl. Listen, I've played cash games, 10 ball. I get it, right? What I'm saying is, what if 10 ball in two years was the game everyone was playing and then someone decides to come along and, and set up a 12 ball tour? Where are we going to go? Like, we're just going to keep fucking adding balls. Listen, <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason there's 10 ball... It, here's the brilliant. Because some Listen, lunatic thought, let's play ten ball. That was no, it. no, no. <sighs> you got Matchroom was brilliant in dialing in the break format so that nine ball is now a competitive game. Because once you had players like Corey Duell that understood how to read the rack and understood how to break the balls, and everybody learned from you know players like him, then nine ball became a lot less competitive. And so their solution at the time, rather than getting creative with break boxes and things like that, was to put the extra ball on the table. Right? You're thinking like a pool player, though, Joey. Yeah. You're not thinking like somebody who doesn't play pool. Well, Someone you were a pool had- player, Carl. So let's go back to when you were a pool player. You would have been in favor of playing 10 ball over 9 ball back when you were a player. I understand that. When I've played cast games, I've played 10 ball. This is what I'm saying. I get it. But the point being is we've got the Moscow Only Cup, which this year is the 30th anniversary. The most famous pool player in my country is Earl Strickland. No one has heard of Everett Reyes. No one has a clue who he is. No one has a clue who Everett Reyes is in England. In the pubs, the people who play pool, no one's got a clue who he is. Earl Strickland's the most famous person. If I speak to somebody in, my, in, in England who doesn't really know a lot about pool, but they might have seen it on Sky Sports at some point, it's Earl Strickland because he jumped on the table. He's played all these Moscone Cups. At the end of the day, we got we got to look at the history, the history of the tournaments, and we've got to build on that because that's what sport is about, isn't it? We look back. The fact that Tembo, we've had eight world championships – the bottom line is it's just another ball. You play pool, Joey. We we get it. But if you speak to your friend on the golf course who doesn't have a clue and you're trying to explain him nine ball and ten ball, he's going to think you're crazy. Yeah. I just I, I just don't I, see the I don't I don't see the difference. It's a good I don't point. Really, it, it doesn't matter if 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 Predator want to do the world ten ball in Vegas and put it on YouTube and the whole production's terrible and we do a three ball event but the production's unreal, well, what's going to win? No, it's about- production Production goes a long way. That's for production's sure. You can't, everything. Just, put a, you, you can't just put a camera over a table. No, production's everything. It's getting the players well-known, doing all the interviews, what Matchroom do, the pieces with the players, all the social media. It's like, it's worlds apart. Look, I'll give you a ton of credit because getting that break format the way it is now 
that took effort and it took Emily being open and, and your team being open to experimenting to come up with the right format. But I the think most, every once in a while, I find one or two people that are like, oh, I hate the cut break and the cue ball running through the rack. But for the most part, I think everybody agrees we're seeing Hill Hill finals, Hill Hill semifinals. It's super competitive right now. You're seeing a lot of play after the break. You guys have done an amazing job with that. I Actually, I believe if you came up with that, a decade ago or 15 years ago, 10 ball wouldn't even be a thing. The players thought we died, by the way. What's that? The players thought we the breaking, by the way. Okay. We didn't Kudos do it. Kudos to the players. Because it's Emily, dialed in. At the World Pool Masters, not this year, last year, she was asking the players, because what she know about pool and the break? She ain't got a clue. So rather than just sit on the fence like WPA would, they're all flying to China playing one ball on spot in the dark with no lights on the table. <laughs> for real. So Emily, Emily at last year's World Pool Masters was asking the players, she was going in the players' room. Obviously, me and JJ were there. Obviously, JJ, you know, obviously he's clued up to so got an idea. We all know what works with the break. So she put a chart up. All the players had a vote. Like World Cup of Pool, sorry, it was not World Pool Masters. So at the World Cup of Pool, Everyone had a vote. Got changed. Who's to say it won't change again in the future? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. I don't think it's a case of, like, obviously, oh, we need to be playing 10 ball because there's no luck in it. It's about the production. It's about getting it out there. Oh, yeah, Appleton just said, don't forget the six-inch pockets. I forgot the pockets are that big in China. You can fall in them when you walk around. <laughs> You're going to see about soft. It's about production. It's about getting it out there, getting the players more well-known, more famous. It doesn't matter whether you're playing an extra ball on the table, does it? That's not really the point. The point is, let's use the history. Let's let's feed off the Moscone Cup. We said, you know, it's 3,000. We've all been to the Moscone Cup. We know the, the buzz. We know what excitement it can bring. And like this year, some of the open events, like the final in Germany, it was unbelievable, the atmosphere. So this is what we can ride off. This 10 ball needs fucking binning. That's what he needs doing. I don't even know what credit they're doing, by the way. Don't get me started on them. <laughs> they got the best rack in the game, buddy. Carl, I'm going to go back to the contract for one minute, just because obviously you're right. Pool players aren't going to read contracts, but there's, there's precedent in the pool world. We saw the WPBA hold April Larson accountable when she attended some regional events and things like that. And I think the general pool public is just completely against the notion that players wouldn't have autonomy to go to the events that they would want to go to. You know, you look at a lot of American players this year, they made the choice not to go to Germany or not to go to Spain and they stayed and, and they're pool players. They're going to play in events. Some of them might be nine ball events. And so yeah. I think that's the big concern as a player. Wouldn't you be concerned about that? I think obviously I think we're going to slowly see the transition from American players. Um, where they've, they've not really, they've stayed in America traveling, haven't they? Playing in a lot of the events in America. European pool players are different, same as the Asian players. We've, we travel all over. That's just the way it is. Maybe that's why there's, there's obviously the Moscone Cup's been quite one-sided over recent years because all the European players, you know, we travel everywhere. That's just what we do. But we've seen a few players come over the sort of first half of the season, like Shane Wolford. I understand if it's still expensive to come over. I get it, but... I go back to what I was saying before. This is still such early days. You know, we're talking about something here where events are, events are still being added. You know what I mean? I'll say to Emily, I'll say, oh, you, you've, you've put a tournament on there. A promoter's run a tournament in Spain with blue cloth. She so go, I know, but this is just where we're at at the minute. Like everything under the world nine ball, so I'm saying it should be played on a grey cloth. Should be a four-inch pocket. Should be the same ball. Should be the freaking... Uh, the purple ball, Emma, not the orange. You know, so I'm giving her all this stick, but she's saying we get it. But we're where we're at right now. Everything's just up in the air, and there's all this shit going on with the WPA. But I think moving forward, there was who, who was the kid who just got to the final? Shane beat. I've never even heard of this guy. Tall guy, young. Oh, young Spencer. Guy. Spencer. Yeah, Ladley. Spencer. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of players in America. I seen it at last year's U.S. Open. Uh, the kid with long hair from Florida who lost in the final of Junior Open. Oh, uh, uh, from Florida, Trent, Trent White, Trent, Trent yeah, White. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot of yeah. players in America, so I know people keep saying, Oh, like the Moscone Cup's one sided, but 
we just need, like the Americans just need the players to travel around a lot more. And I know it's not easy because it's expenses, but Shane, Skyler, all the Europeans, all the Asians, everyone's doing it. Yeah, I think the toughest thing for the American players is they make the investment or they have supporters or backers that make the investment for a year or two, right? We saw that with a player like Nick DeLeon. You know, he had, I guess, yeah. enough money to make that investment for like a year. Then this year he wasn't able to get out to a lot of events. It is very expensive, Carl, with a lot of the European events. I mean, it's you're talking a, a huge expense of the players. And hopefully we'll see more events stateside where the players could, you know, continue to make a run at that Moscone Cup. Because I think you're right. I, I think probably the best point you made on this show is the fact that that Moscone Cup is really the marquee event right? It's, it's everybody looks forward to that and everything is geared towards that event. And so it gets, it draws players in, it draws the fans in. Mike and I start talking about it. As soon as last year ended, we're talking about next year and we're figuring out like, Hey, who's going to be on the team? Who's the best pick? Why did Jeremy pick Earl? All well, these that's why I out to Carl in the first place. The whole reason why I wanted to get this guy on the show was to talk about European Moscone cup players. And then all this fucking drama <laughs> happens over the last, uh, David wins the European Open and, you know, the wheels come falling off. And But that's why, listen, we were never able to talk about pool like this before. You know, years ago, it was just, you know, a couple of events a year, regional events going on with no organization or no understanding as far as, far as what's the end game. And now we're talking about it, you know, every, every week of the year. It's completely different than what it was. Yeah, and obviously, the, obviously there's all these events added on. I just think, me personally, you've, you've got to feed off the Moscow and Cup. You know, it's it's on it's, it's on live television. Three thousand people go. The atmosphere is incredible. You know, what I mean, we we have to work back off that. So that that's at the end of the day where you're going to create the stars, aren't you? The fillers, the Sanchez's, the the SVPs. You know what I mean? It's like when Sixty Minutes did their show last uh, at the US Open on chain last year. This this is what we need. They're not doing it on oh, he's ten ball or he's eight ball. Do you know what I mean? It's not about that, is it? You got to look at history. I remember seeing a few months ago Pat Fleming, I think it was, he put some up. It was like a ranking of from like I think it was the eighties or something. Um, like Earl Strickland was on it, all these all these players, and I messaged him. I said, "Oh, what game was that?" He said, "Oh, it was nine ball." Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, nine balls the game, isn't it? it, it it's the game. It's, nine it's ball not- is an exciting game of pool. It's there's a lot of drama involved and Matchroom's done an incredible job with the production. I'm not ready to say it's the only game. You know, I think there's value in the other games. I really do. And, you know, if you tune into the Texas Open that just happened out here watching Tony Chohan win the one pocket, you know, there's there's things you get out of other pool games that for someone who's played different games, we like that. You know, but that's the so I I would say I would say easy on the like nine ball is the absolute only thing, but no, but for I'm TV saying- production, I think yeah, I think yeah. you you guys are doing a great job, and you know it leads to the Moscone Cup, which is a nine ball event, which is great. Why don't we talk Moscone Cup? Let's let's switch gears. Let's switch gears. Or you know we're getting towards the end of the year, Carl. Uh, the excitement's starting to build. You know. United States has been, I would say last year, they, they were they were in the match. Kind of seemed like they had a good chance, uh, you know, coming into the later stages of the event. But uh, they're obviously a big underdog. They were a big underdog last few years. They're going to be a big underdog again. What are your thoughts going into it this year? Yeah, you sort of feel like it's going to be similar again, don't you? Obviously, Europe always seemed to bring five players. Always feel like America, just that one player, just a little bit too short. But you know, the last two years, obviously, they've they've it's been close, hasn't it? Early on, they've, they've made a game, just a couple of shots here and there. So I think we're definitely seeing a little bit of a change. But I mean, I don't know where JJ goes. I mean, is it time to throw one of these young boys in, one of the young kids, to say have a go? Is that what you do? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't, I've not seen enough of the young. You like know, who? So, well, like that's who? I was just gonna say, I've not seen. I've not seen a lot of these young players play, but I'm sure JJ has. Um, so he's gonna have a better idea than me. But I don't see why not just throw one in because 
he, I mean, obviously, I, I think Earl's time's done now, isn't he? He's, he's had his goal last year. Yeah. We'll, see you later. we'll see you later, Earl. We'll see you later, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that ship has definitely sailed. I'm with you, Carl, when it comes to throwing in a young American player. You can't go in there with the same team and expect different results. I think that Team USA was on the cusp, and I'm not someone who, uh, you know, roots with where I'm born. You know, I root with what my eyes see and, and the quality of players. I think that there's – we're definitely not nearly as deep as Europe by far, um, but there's a few players who can give – give uh, the Europeans some trouble. I think if you core like you have with Sky and Shane, you add in some pieces like, let's say, a Tyler who plays a lot of big names, really tough and doesn't crumble yeah. under the Moscone pressure. Uh, and then you pepper him in with, let's say, like a Wolford and then one other, you know, wild card. Um, I think the USA can give them can give him hell, you know, and then you yeah, have yeah, the, Euro- the European side where David came out of nowhere and now he's on the radar. Feder just f- further solidified his position um, when it comes to playing on a Moscone Cup, and I don't think we've ever seen him play in front of a crowd before. So that'll favor uh, the American side as well, you know. So there's a lot of variables which could make this year's Moscone Cup very exciting to, to go and watch. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, obviously the Moscone Cup, I know Europe have done well over the, the last sort of decade. But, listen, it's race to five under that heat. If if I just feel like America have just, like, made a bit of a silly mistake now again in a certain match at a crucial score. I remember, like, Chris Reinhold, he, he missed that opportunity. I think it was to go 7-3 up. Um, he missed that uh, Hill Hill. He missed a 4 or 5 ball. With Kachi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like America are not far away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and and you know, I like people were already in the chat as soon as we brought up Earl's name. Like, don't go there. You know, Earl Strickland has tons of supporters out there, and I think, you know, just talking about this briefly, I think if when if you're gonna pick that veteran like an Earl Strickland, they have to also be good for chemistry, and I think we saw that last year. I think there was, um, you know, which Jeremy had no way of knowing going in. But I think right away, it kind of seemed like, and even my wife, who doesn't watch pool, is texting me saying, why are all the American players just seem like they have to lift Earl up, you know, have to get him right. psyched up, you know? And so I, I, I hope Jeremy goes on the side of youth and chemistry this year. That's, that's yeah. kind of the way I think the U.S. has the best shot. Yeah, that's Who's, the way. So who would that be, Joe? Who would that be, youth and chemistry? Well, I think Wolfer's got to be on the team this year. I think he probably felt slighted last year. He did all he could do, really, to get on the team last year. Uh, I think he's got to be on the team this year. Uh, I yeah. agree with you, but but him not showing up to the last few majors isn't going to do him any favors. I can guarantee that, and it's going to leave it, it's going to leave him in a position where you may have to be a wild card if somebody comes in and and steals one of these automatic spots. Because that's what's crazy is that this past event that ended in Turning Stone, if an American player would have won it, they would have put them right in the map as far as being on the team, you know, and we're, we're in September. So. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's the only slight worry. It's like, listen, we all know what money's been in pool or is in pool right now, but you still, you know, Skyler, Shane, they're the ones that still come to the events. You know what I mean? I know people look at prize money, but you know, they've got the sponsors, you know what I mean? They've, they've, you know, the top pool players have done well. You know what I mean? A lot of these top pool players, they've got money. Don't worry about that. So, I just think it needs that, you know, Billy Thorpe seems to be back in the mix, doesn't he? He was at he the does. last event. Yeah. I always felt like he was good for Team America because he brings that other side where he gets them involved and pumps up. So I'd, I'd like to see Billy back in the team, really. I think it should good be for like, TV, too. Yeah, I think Skyler Shane. I just don't want to see Billy in the overalls again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just put him in the team. Leave <laughs> No, let him that's, shoot with the that's bu- reason with, enough. With, with with the Bud Lights coming across the uh, coming across the chest there, you know, with the overalls on. Let him play like that. But if I was involved, if I was involved in the American team, I'd be doing what anything in my power to go and friggin' find Justin Bergman. Yeah, yeah. I think we're I mean, all looking for him. He he was great in the team. That guy. I reached Amazing out to Justin talent. maybe like a month ago to see if he wanted to come on the show. Ironically enough, didn't hear back from him. But I also talked to him last in December shortly. And, uh, yeah, I think I think all of America knows his talent. I think a lot of it was a bottom line kind of standpoint, which I can't blame him. You know, but he could 
he could very well uh, make a run like he did that one year at the international and and put himself on the on the Moscone radar if if he decided to if he chose to. When we look at last year's event, one of the things that just perplexed me is after the event, I remember talking to Oscar Dominguez and just feeling like he didn't even really get a chance to play. And yeah. so, like, he's that player that's great for chemistry. He's got a ton of experience, but we didn't see much of him. You know, just the way the lineup shook out and the certain matches that he was a part of, it just seemed like he didn't get a chance to play that much. Would you agree with that, Carl? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think the Moscow is a bit like that, isn't it? It's always geared up to like you've got that fans pick now. Unfortunately, you're always going to see like I don't know Filler or Shaw playing Shane or Skyler now, aren't you? Obviously, Earl. I think he won one of the fans' choices last year, so that sort of lends itself to that way, doesn't it? And then same with the doubles. It's just yeah, I think if you're not a big character or someone who's like won big points, you're always going to be playing second fiddle a little bit in the Moscow. Yeah. But obviously, it's in your own hands, isn't it? If you play well in the doubles and you you win your singles point, that's how you make your name in the in the team. Are we going to see like another curveball, Carl? Because the winner of the U.S. Open is going to get sixty thousand dollars. You you know, betting odds would say that uh, a guy from Europe is probably going to going to win that um, and and put himself in. I think that would be good enough to get the second pick if he's at sixty ish. So, do you think that we're going to see kind of an unknown? Um, get there again, or maybe a guy who's not discussed because David really wasn't in that discussion a whole lot this year before winning that Jacoby event and then following that up with the European Open. Yeah, I mean, obviously that can happen. That's the beauty of it, really. And obviously you've got all these other, you know, other events that are obviously part of the World Nine Ball ranking, which is good because if you're just a few thousand behind, you can go and play in one of these other ones and try and catch up. But obviously there's so many good players from Europe, but. I still think it's going to be some somebody, you know, one of the big names that, you know, wins the US Open. I don't, I don't see it being like, a, 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 you know, like a newbie, like a lower ranked European who's not won one yet. I still feel like, you know, like obviously David, yeah, he might have been struggling a little bit over the last 12 months, but he's still won two World Masters. So he's done it in that sort of arena and he's played in right. Moscow. So, I yeah. don't know, Carl. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily. He made agree. a move I mean, in like forty-five days. I mean, he made a move out of yeah, nowhere yeah. To, to put himself in the position that he was in. Literally, like a month and a half of one win and then followed up with a major win. Boom! He's yeah. in the second spot. That's the well, beauty of the tour, man. I, I think yeah. this year there's so much parity, right? You had that event where Beasterbosch makes the finals. You could yeah. see something like that where one of those guys snaps off the U.S. Open and all of a sudden it it throws Europe into a bit of a scramble of thinking like, okay, how's this team going to do? Because it's not those normal, like, if you look at last year's team, I mean, rock solid. The year before, rock solid, you know? And not that those guys aren't amazing players. If you can win the U.S. Open, you're an amazing player. But if you're not part of that brat pack that's kind of been together playing, you know, in that Moscone under the heat, under the lights, things might be a little different. So I'm pulling for a more obscure European to win the U.S. Open, that's for sure. No, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that could happen. Obviously, if someone comes out of the wood. If you've never played in a Moscone Cup with the crowd, you're never really going to know how you're going to handle it at the end of the day. Obviously, Fedor's like world class, but as Molina said, he's still not played with that intense crowd. So he's... Obviously, I believe he'll be okay, but you still, you still never know, do, do you? Yeah. yeah. Let's let's circle back where we started at, Carl. Do you think this whole matchroom WPA shit gets resolved or gets any kind of traction moving forward in the next in the next uh, couple of months? I think something will happen. I don't know what will happen. I would be surprised if WPA start handing out bans now. After you only have to go on social media to see. Uh, the hate they've been getting, so we'll see. Um, obviously, Matchroom, we all know what Matchroom do. We all know what they've brought to the table for pool players. Um, I, I just don't I, I don't really see where it's going. I did hear a rumour, though, that um, if they do exercise bands, that's going to count for Hayball as well, which I find a bit weird. Well... So like the maybe uh, the Chris Mellings and Shane, if you, the few times that he plays that event, players like that, Chua. Yeah, um, which, but no, there's no representative there. So yeah, <sighs> but but I mean, if that's what happens, that just shows you what they're about. Because I mean, it's a different game for a start. I don't really see what Hayball's got to do with. Yeah, America. it seems like they 
they, well, I mean, they, they took that stance when they when they suspended the Singapore pool players for you know a, a snooker uh, infraction just uh, recently. So I I wouldn't be surprised there. I hope that it gets resolved, and that's really what all this talk and conversation is geared towards. You know, not so much just you know um, enjoying the drama of it all because they do a good enough job on their own making fools of themselves. All I did was invite them on the show. You know, um, but the the point is to get these players the fair their bottom line. You know, and and you guys deserve not you guys because you're not playing anymore, Carl. But the players deserve a better shake than what they've gotten before. You know, so I'm not under anyone's thumb. I I don't care who I piss off. We're gonna keep on talking with them and calling them out, inviting them on the show, and keep on having uncomfortable conversations. I would guess they're gonna go radio silent though. From now, they're not coming back on the show, Melina. (laughs) You've ruined them. You've burned that bridge, buddy. And it wasn't the interview. It was the 572 Facebook posts after the interview you've made. <laughs> well, that's what they, I'm, I'm just pointing out things they said, you know, I'm just, I'm people know exactly what was going on, you know, they, and that's with, that's with a month or so to prepare. Imagine if they just came on like that. So anyway, yeah. I digress. Well, I hope Carl, it gets resolved too. I hope it gets resolved because like, we're all about the players. You know, and I know you have your views on nine ball, 10 ball, other things. I want to see players be able to play what they want to play, you know, go to events that they want to go to and thrive, right? We're all about growing the sport in our own ways. You have your views. Matchroom has their views. Predator has their views. CSI. I want to see the most opportunity possible for the players. And really, that's why we do this. So, yeah, for um, sure. yeah. So, Carl, thanks so much for joining, man. It's always a pleasure having you on, and uh, no, hope we, no problem. Hope we get to see you uh, in the U.S. soon. You're, you're going to be at the U.S. Open, right? Yeah, yeah, U.S. Open. Looking forward to that. Obviously, such a big, important event for nine ball, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate nine ball. Yeah. How's yeah. the U.S. Open ten ball going? By the way, I, I don't really hear anyone speak about that event. <laughs> they might, they might reschedule it again for a third time. So, uh, we appreciate you coming on. I'll see you in Atlantic City in a few weeks, buddy. It's gonna be a fun. It's gonna be a fun time. Looking forward to it, Joey. Man, thanks for making an appearance. It's uh, yeah. Cool, somebody's got to balance you out. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm living my life, man. We'll see you guys later. Thanks everybody for see tuning in. All right.